The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Business is a competition. There are winners and losers. There's always someone trying to take your business away. And in business, just like sports, there are players, there are coaches, and there is a scoreboard. Welcome to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Whether you're a manager, executive, business owner, salesperson, or entrepreneur, The Business Locker Room is a show that will create content and conversations that will help you improve your business. Now, let's join your host, Kelly Riggs. Yeah, that's right. Business is a competition. You got to play to win. Hey, hello, everyone. Great to have you with us. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. It's a show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business today. Practical tools and ideas. Whether you're a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, an executive, an entrepreneur, or you just have an interest in marketing, social media, business strategy, the Business Locker Room is definitely a show for you. Welcome to the Locker Room. I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. Great to have you on board. First things first, let's talk about where you can find us. Log on to bizlockerroom.com. You can find out everything you want to find out about the show, past shows, upcoming guests, all of those things. And you can send me an email to that same location, kelly at bizlockerroom.com. Love to hear from you. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. And you can follow Miles Austin, who will be in our X's Nose segment today, at Miles Austin. In fact, Miles joins us uh, right off the top. We've got a fantastic show ahead of us, Miles. We're, it's the Priority Promise. Two great guests today, Sean Copeland, President and CEO of Regent Bank, also author of The Myths of Creativity. And David Burkus will also be along in the latter part of the show, and we'll be talking about creativity. He's got a book out, The Myths of Creativity, The Truth About How Innovative Companies and people generate great ideas. Speaking of great idea, Miles, we've got a good one to discuss today. Timetrade.com. Give us a little summary from last week's conversation. You bet, Kelly. Uh, Welcome, by the way, here from uh, sunny Seattle today. It's a nice change of pace. Timetrade, as we talked last time, is an ability to allow your customers, your prospects, or anyone that wants to connect and either talk or meet with you to do it online and completely eliminate the back and forth of, can you meet this day? No, can you meet that day? How about this time? No, that time. It completely eliminates it and puts it all available to you online, either on a website or now even on a mobile device. Yeah, it's a fantastic tool when you think about it because there are so many types of businesses, not just salespeople for which this is fantastic, I would think, but businesses, small businesses, consultants, all different kinds of industries have application here. When you're trying to get together, hook up a schedule that makes sense for two people, to be able to do it online and just look at a selection of available appointment dates, pick one of those, click on it, 
and then make it happen together with without having to go through the back and forth of multiple phone calls. That that's got a lot of appeal for a lot of people. It definitely does. And what I really like about it, it really makes the customer feel like they're in control. Even though I've in advance have already made these openings available for that purpose, the customer thinks, wow, this business has said you pick a date and time based on what you see in front of you, and I'll guarantee we're going to meet. And that's a very, very positive thing in, in today's environment. Well, especially in, in today's environment, as you mentioned, everyone is, I, I want it right now. So I don't want to go back and forth. I don't want to make a phone call. Here it is on the website or on LinkedIn or one of the social media apps. I can just click. I want to talk to this guy. Click on a button. Go find a date. That may, I mean, I've got it all done typically before I could even grab the phone and, and dial out. I mean, it's it's got to be a useful tool, I would think. It really is. And I think, and you hit on it early in the intro as well, that I think, you know, a lot of times when I introduce this to businesses, they, they make that assumption, well, that's more for a salesperson or a, maybe an executive or a recruiters. Recruiters use this a lot in, in, in interviewing people. And I said, no, no, no. It's if you have a business where you sell a product or a service where your customer or prospect would like to spend a few minutes anyway and ask a few questions or get your guidance on something, then it's a perfect fit for that because it gives the ability for them to connect with you on a predetermined date and time that already is available in your calendar that's convenient for them. Absolutely. You're listening to Miles Austin. He joins me for the X's and O's segment where we talk about practical online tools. Interesting thing, Miles. Sean Copeland will join me here in just a bit, and we'll be talking about priorities and time management and those kinds of things. The interesting thing about time trade is it, it has a banking application as, as other industries, but talk a little bit about the banking side. Well, you know, look, I think we're all probably this way. Banking is one of those things I find that I'm much more comfortable talking to a banker, usually in the branch, not always, but but I would like to have an ability to sit down or even on the phone, but have something scheduled where I can go in and have my three or four questions, or maybe I'm thinking about making an investment, maybe in a 401k or something, but I'd like to be able to schedule that so I'm not going in, grabbing a number, if you will, and sitting down and waiting for the next available person to be able to talk to. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And and even though we're we're suggesting strongly that there's a whole lot of applications outside of the sales world, anyone who is trying to connect with customers, this is a fantastic tool. In fact, Time Trade has done a, a lot of research and has a lot of studies. I was looking at some of the numbers that they were uh, quoting on their website. They 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 uh, tout 28% increase in sales bookings, a 40% faster time to close, and it's simply because we're just getting to the moment of truth a little quicker. Isn't that, isn't that right, Miles? Absolutely. Again, it's all about making the customer feel comfortable and making it easy so there's no friction between their desire to connect or ask questions and interact with us and that ability to actually get that, that terribly painful process of getting an appointment scheduled. Well, when you talked with me last, when we first talked about bringing this tool into the show, one of the things that really got me interested is you talked about an application on LinkedIn. And you mentioned, in fact, in the show last week, that uh, there are times when people will search and your name will come up. And if they have an interest, you have this application right there on your LinkedIn profile. I'd like for you to take us through that. How do we make that happen? Uh, Absolutely. And it's it's been one of the most productive online 
appointment setting capabilities I've ever had, and I mean ever had in my career. What you do, remember, when you've created those little slots for different purposes within your time trade account, and I'm going to use the one I use in my LinkedIn profile, which is what I call a 15-minute exploratory call, right? And I've laid all those out on my calendar. They're on there on a rolling basis. Um, and so that link is then generated. It's a, literally a little URL, timetrade.com slash and then some number. And I've used it in a one of the shortening services. So that what I've done is when you go into your LinkedIn profile, you can have up to three websites listed in your profile. Usually you're going to put your company website or a blog uh, you might have uh, maybe your Twitter profile or something along that lens. And my, mine is a subscription or a link to subscribe to my newsletter. The third one is actually, I, I believe it's now in my first place position there, is to say schedule a 15-minute exploratory call with Miles. It's that simple. It's a very short URL. In my case, it's it's ftf.sh slash 15min so that I can remember it as well. But if you go to my profile on LinkedIn and you go to my websites and to my information and you'll find that link and you click on it, it'll bring up a screen that shows my week or two available to you to pick a time for that 15-minute exploratory phone call. You click on that link that makes sense in your calendar. It automatically puts you in my calendar and the instructions in follow, and I always ask them, please provide the phone number that you'd like me to call you at, right? right. Because I know in some cases I am I travel and, and I'm all over the country, and there might be a time when I want that slot available and it's open in my calendar, but I might not be at my office. And so if they provide that phone number, which is a requirement, I can call them from an airport from a, a Starbucks or from my home office, whatever it might be, and I never miss a call. Also, I know I'm going to be on time unless there's something humanly possible, impossible to do, and that obviously always leaves a great impression with that client as well. Yeah, no question. I mean, you really lay out a pretty simple process. Go to timetrade.com, open an account, go in and generate a link, shorten it on something like Bitly or Google, and then just paste it into your LinkedIn profile and you're golden. Absolutely. Absolutely. And well, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, one of the things that's really unique about this is they have a fairly new addition that's a, an option for you, especially if you've got multiple locations, maybe like a bank. They have something called One Mobile. And what it does is it gives the ability to now take advantage of your geolocation, your, your GPS, if you will, and that mobile device. And so I click on the link to set up an appointment. Let's use the bank as the example. It then will direct them to the closest branch to where they are based on the GPS built into that phone, and they never even have to download an app. That's the power of this technology. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And, and I, again, I've got to believe that for people who are trying to connect calendars, it just makes an awful lot of sense to, to have something like this available, especially when they make it that easy. And, and tell me about the app. Is it free? Well, you know, that's one of the best parts about this. It's absolutely free if you want a personal account. Then they have a level that's a professional level and then a work group level, which you allows you to have multiple people all in one account and they can route these appointments and things a little bit more advanced. The, the limitation, as is usually the case with these on a personal account, is you only have one user, so yourself in this case. You can, only, you can have a, ma- a maximum of five appointments per month 
and you can have five different types of appointments. So for many, many professionals, especially individuals or entrepreneurs, that's way more than they're ever going to need. But what I found is within a month or so, I thought, you know, I want a few more pieces. So I went up to the professional level. Now get this, you get all of those features. You have unlimited appointments now, unlimited types. You get that one mobile technology. You get Outlook and iCal and Google calendar integration and you can schedule from your phone and you can add your custom logo onto the form you do all that and believe it or not it's 49 bucks per year for that option yeah that's that's a no-brainer i mean i don't know how you get away from that miles that's just absolutely too much of a a time-saving tool which by the way want to remind you that in uh, just moments, we'll be talking with Sean Copeland, author of The Priority Promise. We'll be talking about achieving priorities and some of these time management de- ideals, but uh, or ideas rather. But uh, th- this is this is one of those that, that to me is just a complete no-brainer. If, if this is the kind of work you do, if you need to schedule appointments, this is the kind of thing that you want to have at your disposal. Great tool, Miles. Appreciate it very much. Again, it's timetrade.com. And we bring it to you in our X's O's segment. And the X's and O's segment is made possible uh, by our good friends at 4D Sales. I want to tell you a little bit about them. In fact, Miles, we're going to feature them a few weeks down the road as one of our tools because we are both just really impressed with what they're doing. It's a tablet-based sales tool. It's available for both iPad and Windows 8 devices. And it is a tool that helps salespeople to present information in a way that they have not been able to at this point. Very interactive, visually appealing, everything that you need all in one place. Price lists, brochures, PDFs, slide decks, even web pages and videos that are interleaved on your device and immediately available. I've been in sales and marketing for over 30 years and I can tell you it is one of those truly easy to use tools that is going to have an impact on the sales cycle. It's going to make you much more credible and certainly much more efficient. It provides a kind of consistency that salespeople need when they need their collateral material around them. We want to thank 4D Sales for their sponsorship. They make this segment, the X's and O's segment, possible. And next week, Miles, we're going to talk about an interesting tool called Who Works At. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, Kelly, it's it's probably one of the best name tools I've come across. Um, it literally um, answers that question. When, when you're getting ready, maybe you're going to go interview someone, you're meeting with the prospect for the first time, uh, maybe you're going to meet with an executive, maybe from a bank or someone, and you'd like to kind of know, okay, where else are we connected? Who might know who I know who's connected to this individual? And so the app actually does exactly what the name implies. It will show you using all of the connections online with all of the social media networks, your calendars and everything else, and it'll go in and say, okay, who works at this company? And what I found very helpful is it will be very enlightening because you're going to realize that you might have someone that you used to be a partner or worked with in the past in another company, maybe a generation ago, who's now working in this company that you're about to go meet with. Yeah, it'll be a fantastic tool as well. Many thanks, Miles. Great to have you on board. Hey, we're going to take a time out. And when we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Sean Copeland, president and CEO of Regent Bank. And he is also the author of The Priority Promise. If time management is a challenge for you, life's priorities sometimes get away from you. This is not a segment you want to miss. Stay with us. We'll be back on the other side. I'm Kelly Riggs. This is the Business Locker Room on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Locker Room is the show with compelling conversations, useful content that you can use to improve your business. I want to talk to you about the website once again. Much more information about the show, links to our guests, past shows, previews of upcoming shows. Find it at bizlockerroom.com. And uh, you can find out a lot more about our current guest, Sean Copeland, President and CEO of Regent Bank, joins us. Again, he's the author of The Priority Promise. I'm really excited to talk about this book because it has a lot to do with the way we manage our time and the way uh, we're able to achieve the priorities that we set for ourselves. Sean was a bank president, a business owner, a chamber of commerce president, a national alumni president, an award-winning professor, and, and a lot of other things, all by the age of 34. But one of the big challenges that Sean faced in his life, and I know because Sean and I have become friends over the past few years, is that there was always so much going on as it just always seemed like life was kind of upside down. And I know in my own business career, time management is always a challenge and, and multitasking can be can be a curse, at least uh, what we call multitasking. So very excited to welcome into the business locker room, Sean Copeland. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, I, you know, the more people that I talk to about your book, and uh, they were very excited to, to hear you on the show, because this is this is a very common problem, and I think that was part of your perspective in writing the book as well, right? You you saw this as being a pervasive problem for, for most people. It is. You know, it certainly was for me, and, I, you know, the more, uh, not only business executives, but just, you know, uh, families that you have two spouses working and you have young children, and you're trying to balance everything. It, it. Uh, I believe it's a it's a problem that is becoming worse and worse in our society. Well, you're a guy that that has an enormous amount of interests. Uh, you 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 work in business. You you are the president and CEO of a bank. Obviously, you're writing books. Uh, I know that you're a family man. You have children, and it really becomes a challenge to see how you can balance all of those things. And somebody or some something not lose out in the process, and typically, Sean, that that tends to be family, doesn't it? 
You know, it really does, uh, Kelly. And I think what happens is we become reactive. And every day we react to whatever the circumstances are that uh, face us. And we, we, don't, we don't step back and think about what is really important in our lives. And even if we do, we don't act upon it. We don't have a plan or a system for, you know, making those important priorities uh, actionable. And so uh, that, that's kind of what we've tried to do uh, here with the Priority Promise. Well, I loved reading your book, and it, it started off, it kind of captured my imagination early because you, you talk about being in the car and thinking about calling a loved one, someone very close to you, and not having the time and opportunity to do that. And, and you began to realize that some of the things that were truly important in the big picture weren't happening. And, and, and what you're suggesting in the Priority Promise is that you, you can have all of those things, but it, you just have to prioritize them in a way that enables you to do the most important things first. D- is that correct? It is, Kelly. Let me tell you just a little bit and your listeners a little bit about the, the system, and then uh, clearly they can get more information in the book. But just to kind of touch on it, uh, I really had reached a point in my life a, a couple of years ago where um, it would appear uh, from anybody's viewpoint that I was very blessed and I was and that, you know, we were very successful and we were and we had great kids, but I just was not enjoying life at all. It was always overwhelming. I always felt like I was behind. When I would have a conversation with someone, uh, I, would, I, was, I wouldn't really listen to what they were saying. I wasn't really present because I was always thinking about all the things that I had to do. And it really hit a breaking point when uh, my grandmother had been battling cancer. And I thought about her all the time. And I loved her dearly. But every time I would think about calling her, something more urgent would come up. Every time. And one particular time I was on my way to a meeting and I thought about her and I thought I needed to call her. And when I looked down to call her, another uh, call popped up on my phone. I took the call. It derailed me. I didn't have time to call her before the meeting. I didn't get her called that night. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. And so uh, to make a very long story short, I ended up discovering uh, via a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Steve Green, he gave me a number of tips that he had learned over the years, and I, and I put it into a, a system called the Priority Promise System. And it's very different than anything that your listeners would hear, um, you know, today. Mm-hmm. I had tried every time management system known to mankind. I mean, all of them. And, and the problem, Kelly, is that it, it gets to a point to where no matter how efficient you are, you cannot be efficient enough because you literally have more to do than what you can do in the allocated time. Right. So the way the system works at a, at a very high level is this. First, we step back and we go, okay, what are all the roles that we play? What, are, what is every role that Kelly Riggs and Sean Copeland plays in this world? And that is a personal roles, including you know father, husband, brother, um, grandson. Uh, you know there are many of those, and then it can include professional roles. Which for me, you know, the CEO is a title, but it basically breaks down into roles such as 
business developer. I need to spend a certain amount of time bringing in new business, investor relations, dealing with our shareholders within the bank, client relations, manager, strategist, uh, marketing director. All of those things need time allocated to them. Right. And then you have a certain amount of extracurricular uh, roles. They may be involvement in your church, boards that we set on, you know, uh, and then you and then you take personal improvement time. You know, when we're truly happy, as you and I have talked about, a, a lot of times we're developing, you know, mentally, we're, we're reading and we're learning, uh, we're developing physically, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're working out and jogging and doing the things that make us feel better, and then we're develop, developing spiritually. And so when you add all those together, that's a lot of roles. And, and what I see is I have many clients who are very successful in certain roles. They are great business people. They may be a great strategist or salesperson, but they completely neglect their personal life. And right. so they end up at the end of the day with a big pile of money and no one to share it with because their family has all moved on because they didn't ever have time for them. Yeah. So first you list, you list all of the roles. And I got to tell you, that's the toughest piece. Yeah, let me let me stop you there for a minute, sure. Sean, because you've already opened up a, a big eye opener for me, and that is many times in the realm of time management, you know, you have to distinguish between your work life and your business, your family life, and so you you think about okay, I, I need to segregate those and, and and allocate time to them. Well, you've you've taken that a step further and said, no, wait a minute, you've got to add you know spiritual, charitable, uh, volunteer work. You've got to also look at uh, personal development, those kinds of things. Well, that that's another step. But then the, the big step for me is you're looking at the individual roles inside of those roles. So I'm not just family time or not just work time. I mean, you broke down your president CEO position into a number of activities that do require time from you. So, I mean, you've really opened it up quite a bit. And I think perhaps now I begin to see why so many of those things are difficult because I never looked at, at you know, family time as brother, dad, son, right. you know, all of those things. So that, that's really interesting. It, it is. I do not believe that it works until you really get granular with it. So family time is an example. That's all fantastic. But if all your family time is devoted to uh, your favorite child and not to your wife or to the child that maybe you don't click with as well, um, it doesn't work. So I think it's very important. So this role uh, definition phase is really, really important. And then what happens once you get that list? And for me, there were forty or forty-five roles um, that I was playing. That's, that's crazy. Forty or forty-five roles. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was actually forty-five was the actual number. So then you prioritize those because what happens is you cannot be every everything to everyone, and that was the mistake I was making. So you basically prioritize every role into an A, B, and C category. A being things that you you cannot live uh, well unless you do these things well. So you know, for me, you know, manager business developer, investor relations within the bank are important. 
uh, but also uh, more important were you know spiritual life, uh, my uh, my role as a husband, my role as a father, and so you the A is the cream of the crop. Those are the things that if you don't do well in those, life uh, deteriorates very rapidly. Sure. B are those things that are imp- they are important, no question. They are just not life threatening so to speak. And then C are those roles that maybe we enjoy doing or maybe we don't, but they are not, they're not essential. They are, you know, they are things that uh, if we didn't do these things, then suddenly uh, life would still go on. We may disappoint a person or two, you know, by uh, resigning from something, but uh, largely it doesn't have a huge impact uh, on your life. So what you end up with is three buckets uh, of roles, and that is important because the next phase is uh, allocating time to them. Right. And here is the magic of the entire uh, process, and that is you literally sit down one by one, and you go, "Okay, if I were going to be uh, a a great um, husband, that my wife Angela would be um, satisfied with our marriage and our relationship." How much time each week do we need to spend together, just she and I, not clumped up with the family where nobody can talk because they're getting interrupted, you know, every 10 seconds? Sure. Just she and I. And, and how, for my grandmother, who was the focal point of my story, to be satisfied with our relationship as a grandmother and grandson, how much time do we need? How much time does that take? And basically, you define it because you need to be satisfied with it and the person that you're in the relationship with needs to be satisfied with it. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. We're talking with Sean Copeland. He's the president and CEO of Regent Bank. More importantly, he is the author of the book that we're talking about, The Priority Promise. And it is about implementing what I heard you say several times, Sean, and and I'm intrigued by. It's a process. It, It actually is something that you think through and define and you're very intentional about. And, and to me, it sounds like there's where we diverge from, from common thinking, you know, as, as we actually have worked out an idea for exactly what we're going to do. One of the questions I'm going to have down the road is, it, you know, is it, does it become too mechanical? I know you've got more process to talk about, but let me segue for just a minute. Is, is it too mechanical? I mean, do people think and go, oh, I, wow, I don't have time to you know, do this, nor do I really want to create this mechanical approach to my life in which everything is very automated, you know, something like that. Oh, it's a great question. And I think once I, once I get through the complete process, you will see there are different levels that one can take. You can go all in, uh, which I have, which has truly uh, changed my life, uh, or you can still make substantial strides if you really wanted to just kind of uh, try one piece of this and, and then maybe another. So right. uh, I do not believe that it's, me- I, don't, I don't believe it's mechanical. I think it just forces us to manage our life and our priorities. Oh, yeah, uh, with a little more intention rather than just letting life come to you. So you, you take the roles, you prioritize those, and then you begin this process of determining what is, what is a reasonable amount of time to allocate to each of these roles or relationships, then what? Well, inevitably, what you're going to find is once you've allocated an appropriate amount of time to each role, 
you're not going to have that much time. Right. I've I can only through, imagine how big your list was. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was 177 hours in a week. Nice. And that didn't include sleeping, right? No. And so <laughs> that it was a, and, and so it became obvious why I never felt like I could please everyone, you know, in my life. And so, and that's what happens, I think, with a lot of people. So once you realize that you just have too much uh, too much time allocated to all of these different roles, then you make the tough decisions. And that's when you either, you know, reevaluate and go, okay, maybe I don't need quite that much time, or inevitably some of those C roles you're probably going to have to chop off. Because as, as I think my good friend Kelly Riggs has said uh, many times, you got to say no to the good stuff so that you can do the, the great. Mm-hmm. And you got to make sure that what you think is most important really is important. And so that's, that's where the rubber hits the road. So, so I had to do a mass resignation from a number of organizations. And it was painful and difficult, but I just, uh, I just could not do it all and still meet the key uh, relationships and roles uh, within my life. Well, so you've done that. Go ahead, go ahead Kelly. Well, I was going to say, well, the, the interesting thing is, is I think we all intuitively know that if we lack balance – in those relationships, and and we consistently don't have time to address some of the key roles in our lives, that it throws everything out of balance. So uh, we think that we're really getting someplace because we're focused on certain areas, like work, for example, not realizing there's a price to be paid. I mean, it's pay me now or pay me later, wouldn't you say? I would. I would. And I, again, I just cannot tell you now that the book is out and it's done well and I speak to groups all over the country, I cannot tell you the number of people that I meet that say, and I wish I would have known this 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you know, Um, I get it. I understand what you're saying, but I just never, I never lived it. So... So in essence, continuing, uh, Kelly, and we're just about we're just about there. But what you do is once you uh, once you have kind of trimmed down to where you have enough time each week to satisfy your critical roles, and again, that is what we are after is satisfying those key roles and relationships. Then we literally place them on the calendar. So what happens is, and let me just give you a great example uh, in my life. Strategy is something that I love. I, I love, I love, as you know, I love marketing. I love differentiation. I love strategy. So what would happen uh, to me is I would be in the middle of taking care of a client. Okay, I'm putting together a loan write-up uh, for a client. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I would think about some strategy piece that I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to do. So what would I do? I would stop working on that loan write-up, and I would begin working on this marketing plan over here that I enjoy. And so now what I've done is on my calendar, I have one hour a week allocated for nothing but thinking about our marketing strategy, okay? And so what I do now is when those thoughts pop in my head, I have a folder set up in an app that I use called Wonderlist where I go into that folder and it, and it, it is the marketing 
um, role, and I put that in there. I say, okay, I want to think about this, but I don't do it now. I wait and do it on Friday at 10 o'clock when I have the, the strategy piece of my life. So it helps me focus more. You talked about multitasking. Mm-hmm. It helps me focus more on whatever I'm doing at that moment. And so all my week becomes a series of you know, working on a certain role. So on Wednesday morning, I work on, uh, I make prospect calls. I have a list of prospects that I, I call on Wednesday morning. Monday all day long is employees and management. So all day today, I have spent in 30-minute meetings with all of my direct reports all day long. And that's basically how, and so, so all day I focused on employees and managing. I have, a, I have an hour on Friday afternoon set aside for calling friends. For years, I've thought about buddies of mine that I've wanted to reach out to, including yourself, and I've thought, I want to call them. I don't ever have time. Now right. I have an hour set aside for that thing. Four hours a month, I go down and see my grandparents uh, on a Saturday. We go down, and I talk to Grandma, and she said, you know, if we could spend half a day together just in a month, just catching up, I would love that. That's what I do. I take the kids down, and so so it actually physically goes on your calendar. So if you're following your calendar, you can't forget a critical role because it's going to pop up and, and tell you. So then the last two steps uh, are this. You now have a series of roles that, sh- that are very important to you. And so on Sunday evening, or whenever, but for me it's Sunday evening before the week begins, each one of those roles gets one goal for the week. So what can I do this week to be a better husband? Maybe it's just calling uh, my wife randomly throughout the week. Maybe it is sending flowers. Maybe it's writing her a little note. Maybe it, but every week you come up with, how can I be a better manager? You know, I want to focus better during my 30-minute meetings. I don't want to be distracted. I want to truly focus, or I want to come up with a leadership opportunity for them. So you end up with a series of goals, just one, not just one goal for each of those um, roles as you go through the week. And then finally, in a best-case scenario, we have an accountability partner. So I've got a buddy that at the beginning of every week, I email him my goals for for each of my critical uh, roles. And then at the end of the week, at the end of the day, on Friday at 4 o'clock, we have a standing phone call, and he does the same with me. And so we have a standing phone call uh, on Friday at 4 where we go through and say, okay, how did you do? And we just report on each uh, goal that we have. And what happens is over time, life begins to take on a certain clarity, Mm-hmm. And, a, and, a, and a process where it isn't, I've got a hundred item to-do list, which I used to have, and I'm going to pick out the top ten off of that deal, and maybe I'd get those done, maybe I wouldn't, because I'm getting 50 million interruptions, and I still feel guilty because I didn't get the other 90 things done, you know, sure. today. Now, every day I know what role I'm going to focus on, wow. and I know what my goals are for that week, for that role. And that is all I think about during that time. Now, clearly, you have to inject, you know, a a couple of hours throughout the day to 
to be responsive, to return phone calls and emails. And, and that just automatically goes into the schedule. But I'm not doing it all day in the midst of doing 15 other things, and so I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, focused and productive uh, anyway. So that's really how the process works. And I've, I have watched it now work with people of all uh, backgrounds, positions, uh, socioeconomic you know, situations, uh, income levels, addresses, colors, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it is I, a, it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, it's great stuff, Sean. I'm up against a break and need to get to the other side, but I can't thank you enough. Folks, you have it there. The seven steps uh, to navigating the busy world that you're a part of, regardless really where you are in, in your station in life, I want to suggest a couple of things. First off, let's tell you where to find the book. It's at thepriorityprimus.net. You can go find the book there and more introduction to it and more about Sean and testimonials to the book and so forth. Really want to encourage you to follow Sean on Twitter as well. He is at Sean Copeland. It's S-E-A-N-K-O-U-P-L-E-N. Sean, what a pleasure to have you. Thank you for taking time and putting us in the priority. Thank you for putting us in the schedule. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kelly. I love your program. Oh, man, thank you very much. Great to have you. All right, we're going to take our final time out, and we're going to come back on the other side, and we're going to have a fantastic guest with us. David Burkus will join us. Really excited to talk to him. He is the author of The Myths of Creativity, The Truth About How Innovative Companies and People Generate Great Ideas. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. to the Business Locker Room. It's the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business. Many thanks to Sean Copeland for joining us to talk about his book, The Priority Promise. We go immediately to David Burkus, who is the author of The Myths of Creativity, The Truth About How Innovative Companies and People Generate Great Ideas, and we want to talk a little bit about creativity and see if we can find a couple of tidbits of information that we can use to become more creative right now. David, welcome into the show. Great to have you. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I also, you know, it's kind of fun. I got to take some notes on Sean's thing from the last segment. So that was great. Wasn't that good stuff? Yeah. I mean, you, and in fact, I thought I find it interesting because as I was getting ready for the show today, there, there's kind of a connection with you as well. Because when we talk about creativity and dispelling some of the myths associated with it, you talk about something called the incubation period and how that actually can be good for people getting things done. And we'll get there. You recently uh, wrote a blog a piece for Harvard Business Review. Uh, you're a contributor there. March 13th, how to have a eureka moment. Help me out, David. How can I have a eureka moment? Wow, you've got me on record as the exact date that it that it ran. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people have this idea around these sort of your. I, I use the term eureka moments, but everybody's had one where they feel this way, where you just the answer just suddenly comes to you like it's from somewhere else. And I dig into in the book. I dig into a lot of research on it. Really was inside you the whole time. But in that particular piece, I talk about that incubation effect that you. Reference and the research supports the that the idea that when you're working on a really hard problem, you need that sort of creative insight. Sometimes stepping back from it, or you know, this is going for a walk, taking a bath, but more importantly, actually, the research shows even just switching to a different task, right? So opening up your in- email inbox and doing some of the monotonous reply emails, whatever gets your mind kind of off of that problem for a little while. When you're when you return to it you're actually much more likely to have more ideas and better quality ideas. And of all of those ideas, that one sort of eureka thing can happen. The the challenge, I think, is that in a workplace especially, unless we do stuff like what Sean talked about, unless we schedule it in, it's really hard to find that incubation time unless we're very deliberate about it. Well, especially when you think about if you're working for someone and the manager uh, sees you doing something quote unquote non-productive, you know, there's that impression that you're really not working on a very important project that has a deadline or something like that. And yet just staying inside the tunnel with that project for extended lengths of time, according to the research and the work in your book, uh, that it actually is counterproductive. Yeah, you're actually less productive when you're sort of in that nose to the grindstone, always working on the project thing. And I, and I, you know, I hinted at it earlier, but I think that's why God invented email. Uh, because <laughs> email can make you look like you're being really productive to your manager, or truthfully, sadly, you can trick yourself into thinking you're productive. But that's a different monologue altogether. It yes. can make you sort of look productive to everybody that's watching, but in reality, you're doing the sort of monotonous stuff. Yes, no, sounds great. How about March 13th? Blah blah blah. All of those emails that don't take a lot of brain power. All of those can be an opportunity to incubate off that great big project. David has got a, uh, an event coming up uh, in June with 30-plus experts on creativity. We're going to tell you more about that before we finish our segment today. He's David Burkus. You can follow him on Twitter, at David Burkus. That last name is B-U-R-K-U-S. In your book, David, you talk about 10 different myths and the Eureka myth is one of those. But one that I found interesting was a common approach to creativity. It's the brainstorming myth. What's that one all about? <laughs> yeah, sort of the, the overused weapon in the creativity arsenal is, is definitely brainstorming. I think everybody, I, you know, I, I travel all over and I ask people this question, how many people have ever been in a brainstorming session? Everybody raises their hand. Say, keep your hand up if you felt like it was a worthwhile experience, and almost every hand goes down. And of the hands that stay up, if you dig into it, you find they actually did a very sort of more regimented process than just throwing out a bunch of ideas. When we use the term brainstorming now, you know, brainstorming had an inventor. A guy named Alex Osborne actually coined the phrase, and he was referring to something really specific. But now we use it really generally as just coming up with lots of ideas in a short period of time. And most brainstorming sessions to try and solve a problem are just that. We, we get a bunch of people in a room, we throw out a bunch of ideas, we circle the one we like, and then suddenly that's an action plan. 
And the problem with that is that if you look in the creative process of individuals or you look into companies like a, a Pixar film, you look into those companies, they have a process that's much deeper than just coming up with lots of ideas. You know, Pixar, for example, Ed Catmull, the, the CEO of Pixar, says that every Pixar film starts out as the worst film that, that's ever made. His exact words is every film goes from suck to non-suck. What's different in there is not brainstorming sessions. It's a larger process of refining, getting feedback, always improving, and knowing when to add those ideas in this larger process. And so the brainstorming that to me is really just that idea of if you think you can just get in a room and come up with a bunch of ideas and find the right one, you've got a whole lot more work to do. You know what what I'm overwhelmed with in in doing this show and talking to people like you and Sean, and we've heard it from both of you today, is that you both talked about the word process. You know, so many times process implies, you know, an intentional activity that we've thought through the steps that it's going to take to get somewhere. And and too often, David, that's exactly what we don't do. I, I So many times I can remember being involved in these brainstorming sessions that the only parameter for brainstorming was, well, that no idea is a bad idea. You know, let's just throw it all up against the wall and find something that works. And inevitably, it, we come away wanting. Right, even though some ideas are actually terrible ideas. At, at the core of brainstorming is this idea that there, there's a thing called divergent thinking, meaning coming up with as many ideas as you can in a short period of time. And, and when you're doing that, then the maxim is true, no idea is a bad idea. But every, every process of creativity involves both divergent thinking and then later convergent thinking, trying to figure out what the one right answer or the most right answer is. And when you're moving from generating lots of ideas into convergent thinking, then you encounter lots of ideas that actually are terrible. And it's a process of weeding through and finding the, the one best answer. You know, I, it reminds me of uh, a book that I read many, many years ago, Edward de Bono's book, a Lateral Thinking. Is that something you looked at in the process of writing this book? <laughs> so I have to confess, I have a mixed relationship with, with de Bono. I, I know lots of people that have had success applying to Bono's work, and I don't see anything in his work that is um, wrong per se, but de Bono's kept his, a lot of his stuff really away from an, a more empirical scrutiny. And so I kind of, I didn't necessarily include a lot of his stuff in there, but a lot of his stuff runs parallel with that idea of convergent thinking, divergent thinking, different steps, different processes. His, I would say most of what I research in the book is more similar to his idea of the six thinking hats than right. just the lateral thinking idea. Uh, meaning that there are different times where you need different types of thinking in order to arrive at that one best idea. Yeah, absolutely. Here we're talking with David Burkus. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at David Burkus. He's written a book called The Myths of Creativity. Highly suggest you pick it up. If, if you have a company or a department in which creativity is a necessary part of what you do, uh, you need to look at these 10 myths. David, if, if, if you were going to come and work with my company, uh, a, com- a company X, and I needed to have a more creative staff. I needed to more consistently create creative ideas. Where would you start with me? So I would start at the end, as it were. The very last chapter in the book is a, a myth I call the mousetrap myth. And it, I believe it's the most common one inside of organizations. And what the mousetrap myth essentially says is it's taken from that term, if you build a better mousetrap, the world will be to pass to your door. And mm-hmm. it's not actually all that true. And, but if you believe it, then you think that I, you think I need a more creative staff. I need more ideas inside my company. And what we find is the research actually supports that we as humans are awful 
at evaluating the ideas of other people. In other words, for an idea to be creative or innovative, it, it has to be new and it has to be useful. And those two things are at ends because if something is new, it departs from the status quo. But if we're trying to figure out whether or not something has value, then the only thing in our experiences to compare it to are the very status quo we're trying to depart from. Inside of organizations, this turns into, I think we've all experienced it, this turns into having a great idea, sending it up through the hierarchical chain, and never hearing anything again about it. Because you have to go through all of these levels to get approval, and at any one level, if there's one person who's bad at, at figuring out what's valuable that also departs from the status quo, then the whole idea is dead. And so the, the place I would actually start is I would want to dive into your organization and see you might not have an idea generation problem. You might not need a more creative staff. You might actually just need to get better at seeing the ideas that your staff already has. Wow, that's interesting. So what you're suggesting is uh, latent ideas may be laying around the organization. We're just not doing anything with them. I, I'll, I'll go so far as say I'm not even suggesting it. I, I promise there are latent ideas in the organization. Whether or not they're good, we can't know until you know that you're actually evaluating them all. All right. So we, how, do you, how would you go about assembling those ideas or how do you, how do you identify them as a troubleshooter uh, within an organization? So, I mean, really, I look for uh, at the front levels of the organization where, honestly, where most of the customer feedback comes from, so where most of the ideas, outward-facing ideas are going to happen. I talk with those people, and I see how often have you had an idea, what happened when you had the last sort of great idea, does your company have a suggestion box, which, by the way, if your company has a suggestion box, you probably aren't good at recognizing great ideas because if that's what you think is the system you need in place, we're probably not all that good at it. And I, I once read somewhere that the number one thing uh, placed into a suggestion box is fire the CEO, and the number two is get rid of the suggestion box. So um, <laughs> but, but I look at the front line, and then I start talking about systems. Do you have a system in place that captures the ideas of everybody and, and rewards them? I'll give you an idea of what I mean by a system. There's a company I talk about in the book, Right Solution, uh, excuse me, yeah, Right Solutions in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, and they actually have an idea stock market. It's an internal website where you can post an idea, and other people in the company have virtual currency with which to invest little pieces uh, of virtual currency in the idea. And if the idea gets enough momentum, just like a stock that's on the rise, it actually gets turned into a pro an actual project, a product, et cetera. It, it gets some real dollars behind it if it builds enough virtual currency. And what that is, I mean, it doesn't necessarily eliminate the bias we have against, against great ideas. It, it, what it does is it mitigates the cost of being wrong. Because now, if you put a little bit of your virtual currency behind the idea and the idea doesn't go anywhere, the idea ends up being the wrong idea, you're not actually out anything. And see, this is, I think, what goes on inside of hierarchies is that the higher you go up in a hierarchy, the more your real job is to not get fired from your job, which means you're not going to take the bets that will actually depart from the status quo. Yeah, it's just fantastic stuff, David. <laughs> the, the, the whole currency idea, and a, uh, that's a great idea in and of itself. Don't know who came up with that one, but that's fantastic. He's David Burkus, and he is the author of The Myths of Creativity. Well, we certainly did not do justice to your book in the uh, 15 minutes that we've had available to us, which is good for me because I get to have you back on the show, Dave. I, will, I really appreciate you taking your time and sharing with us, and we'll look forward to doing it again and getting into greater detail on this whole process. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, no, thank you. I look forward to it because it means I get to come back. Yes, absolutely right. David Burkus, again, the, uh, the myths of creativity. You need to go find it. The truth about how innovative companies and people generate great ideas, and I didn't want to leave you without telling you about the event coming up that he will have over 30 expert sessions, all these people together to talk about creativity. It's coming on June 2 through 6, and you need to go to this website, 
thetruthaboutcreativity.com. Go there, find out more about all of these experts, which includes Daniel Pink, by the way. Should be a fantastic session. Uh, Go check it out. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much to Sean Copeland and to David Burkus for joining us on the show. Of course, Miles Austin was along in the X's No segment as we talked about timetrade.com and really found out a lot of great things about that tool, how to utilize it inside of LinkedIn and a lot of other areas. Thanks to our sponsor, 4D Sales. They make the X's No segment possible. Special thanks to Michael Surgit, my engineer, Brandy Jackson. She's our executive producer. Next week, Josh Allen Dykstra. Should be a fantastic show. He is a Fast Company and Forbes contributor, co-founder of The Work Revolution, the author of a book called The Invisible Tribe. We're going to talk workplace culture. It's all coming again next week. I'm Kelly Riggs, and I'll see you in the business locker room. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.